Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plans, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. All right, I'm going to introduce, uh, we have a guest speaker today who is uh, phenomenal. So if I believed in reincarnation, I don't, let's just clarify. But if I believed in reincarnation, I would come back as this man, tall, dark, handsome, smart, can preach, can sing like no one's business. The only thing we're a little concerned about, he was, he was a starting quarterback at Oklahoma. So, um, you know, I mean, with USC, look, USC's so bad, they had to, they had to pilfer from Oklahoma to get Riley and all the recruits out there. That's how bad they are. But if I believed in reincarnation, I'm coming back as this man. This is powerful. Love this. We've known 25 years, have been friends. He pastors a church in Austin, Texas, a phenomenal church, he and his wife in Austin, Texas. And uh, so we get up as Eric Moore comes up and ministers to us this morning. Good morning. How we doing? Everybody's doing well? Well, if you love the Lord, can you give the Lord just a hand clap of praise here this morning? Such a blessing to be here. Um, first, just giving honor to God and to the pastors of this great house. Can y'all give it up for your pastors, John and Chris Blue? And we love them. They are family. Uh, we've, and we've been in ministry for a long time. A family, family, community. I remember one time, John and I almost got into a fight one time. A shocker, huh? That's a shocker. But you know, here's the interesting thing I love about community is that if you do life with people, you're going to have moments. You're going to have great moments. You're going to have some challenging moments. But it's how you choose to work through those moments that if you allow the grace of God and you're committed to the kingdom of God, it really brings you closer. Um, and so, you know, I thank God for those moments. I thank God for the, the good times and the challenging times that we've had with John and Chris because they've made our relationship just go to a whole new level. And just to look and see what God is doing here, looking and look and see just the beautiful faces and see what God is doing in this city, that's incredible. And so it's such an honor to be here with you uh, this morning. Uh, if I can, just let me do something real quick. Um, and then we'll get into the word, okay? Is that cool? <clears throat> um, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now 
And then we think about that amazing grace. We just say, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise Finishing out and say, Praise God, praise God, praise. Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you, Lord, that wherever two or three are gathered in your name, the promises that you will be here. So, Lord, you are welcomed in this place. We ask, Lord, now that you will speak. Our hearts are open, our hearts are ready. We ask God that your word will fall on fertile ground. It will produce fruit in our lives hundredfold. God, that this city, God, will just be saturated with your presence, with your love. That you would draw all men to yourself. And so, Lord, have your way. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name. Everyone say it. Amen. 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 It's good to see you all again. Um, Shout out to my wife, my wonderful wife. We've been married for 20 years, 20 years, and um, we have three boys. We have a freshman in college, EJ. He's uh, 19. Actually, he'll be 20 in November. Then we have a middle son, Josiah. We call him JoJo. He's a junior in high school. And then we have Trey, our youngest boy, who is in the eighth grade. So we're very... Georgia's future's husband. She's not in here right now, so I said she's going to be up. Um, so um, they keep us busy, keep us busy, keep us running around, but we love it. Um, we love it, and um, man, we're just so glad to be here. If you have your Bibles, um, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Mark, 10th chapter, the 45th verse. If you have it on your phone, you can put it up on your phone, Mark 10. 45. Pastor John told me that you guys are in this series talking about discipleship and the importance of discipleship. If discipleship is not happening within the church, all the church is is a Sunday club. It's just a time of us coming together, singing some good songs, saying, hey, girl, we ought to get together this week, knowing good and well we're not going to get together this week. And we'll just keep saying that Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. All it is, if discipleship is not at the heart of the church, all it is is a Sunday club. Lives won't be transformed. Evangelism won't take place. We won't see the kingdom of God advance all over this city, state, nation, and world if discipleship does not happen within the church. Tim Keller, one of my heroes in the faith, he says this, that discipleship is not an option. For Jesus says that if anyone will come after me, he must follow after me. 
And as we look at the life of Jesus, his example, his example was going by the highways and the byways, getting together with people, building relationships, pouring his life out, serving others so that they may get an encounter in a tangible way of the character of his father. Everyone shout out discipleship. It's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. It's the, one of the great commandments. It's, it's the last thing that Jesus told his, his followers before he went to go be with the Father. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I've taught you. And, lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of time, Matthew 28. So it is a grace on our life and a call on all of our lives who have called upon the name of the Lord and has put their hope and trust in his finished work. That there's a grace on our lives to make a difference in this world. Everyone say discipleship. I don't know if they've told you this. I don't know if your, your mom or your dad didn't tell you this. I know Pastor John, I know he's told you, and Pastor Chris, I know they've told you. But you are called to be great. There's greatness inside of you. You're not average. You're not here just to take up space and time. But God has strategically placed you on this planet for such a time as this and has placed greatness inside of you. Now we got to understand what is greatness because if we look at greatness according to culture, it means status. Or, well, I don't really have, you ought to see my bank account. I don't have that many zeros in my bank account. So that must mean I'm not great. I don't have all the different rides, all those different things. But that's not the kingdom way of greatness. Tony Evans, one of my heroes, he says this, greatness is this. It is maximizing your potential for the glory of God and the benefit of others. That's greatness. Greatness is maximizing your potential. All of us have, have potential inside of us. God has placed purpose inside of us, maximizing your potential for the glory of God. So that his character may be made known in a tangible way and the benefit of others. So discipleship, doing life with others. Because without discipleship, we, what, what we will become, and, and, and if you look at our, in your life, if, if discipleship is not at the core of your heart and it's not something that you're extending your faith for him, you'll see in your relationship with Jesus, you'll become complacent. If discipleship is not happening, we'll see people fall through the cracks within our community. Have you, have you ever been in a situation, you're you walking with people, and then you find out, okay, this marriage is falling through the rocks? How did that happen? And then you ask, man, were there a part of any of the marriage? What do y'all call them? Life, we call them life groups. What do y'all call them? Y'all call them life groups? Life groups or come to the men's gathering as we're getting ready to do over the summer and the women's gather, the, 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 the girls in the garden, do they come? To, no. People fall through the cracks when discipleship is not a revelation or a conviction inside of their hearts. And God is saying this, if you are a child of God, the way that you grow and become more like me is not just coming to Sunday service. But it's gaining a revelation and a conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit that discipleship is not a suggestion. It has to be a core value. 
some statistics I saw this. It says this, that 56% of Christians believe that their spiritual life is entirely private. 39% of Christians are not engaged in discipleship. 28% are in a discipleship community. 28% are only being discipled. Check this out. 5% of the church is only discipling others. 5%. So we wonder why we're not seeing the kingdom of heaven in government. We're wondering why we're not seeing the kingdom of heaven in the school system, in the arts, in the entertainment, in our community, in our neighborhoods, and all of those different things where Jesus has told us, by my grace, go to the highways and byways and spread my gospel. It's because at the core of it, the church, we've lost the revelation and the conviction about discipleship. I've been praying about this. I was thinking about this. I begin to think about consumerism. How much that we live in a time, in an age of great consumerism. Matter of fact, if we look throughout our, our, our culture today, we live, we think, and we act with a total consumer mindset. What's in it for me? What can you do for me? You're not singing my favorite praise songs, I'm out of here. If you're not giving me coffee and donuts, all these, we got all those different, we have total consumer mindset. And it has found its way into the church. Matter of fact, that was a statistic that I looked at. It says almost all new jobs created in the U.S. in the last 20 years have been in service industry and retail industry, not in production industry. And because of this, we have raised two generations of Americans that are total consumers. We was even talking about our kids. Our kids, we, we see this, that they are just, it's all about them being served. Not them serving, but them being served. And it's a part of, it's our fault because we have created that culture within our home that, yes, too much of anything becomes a problem. And the question I have for us to consider when we're thinking about this consumerism, was, was Jesus a consumer? Did he come to consume or was he a contributor? Mark 10, 45, Jesus says this, for even the son of man. Now, I'm telling you, if I was Jesus, I would have came down and been like, yo, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. I'm here. Bow. Aren't you glad I'm not Jesus? <clears throat> but Jesus says, even the son of man who has the authority did not come to be served. But he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Does that sound like a consumer? Does that sound like someone that's coming and saying, no, no, it's all about me? Or does that sound like someone who's coming to shake things up, come to serve, come to give a different way of life, come to, in, in, in a tangible way, show the kingdom of heaven a contributor, not a consumer. 
And all of us here this morning, if we are in Christ Jesus, there's a grace on our lives not to be a consumer, but to be a contributor. This is the beauty of the gospel, because when Jesus comes into our hearts, when he reproduces his life in us, he transforms us in a way where we change from being a total consumer to a total contributor. We begin to shift things up. We begin to change things. We're, we're, we're discipleship. We, we follow the example of our Savior who says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. To lay down his life, to give his life as a ransom for many. If you're taking notes, I need you to know this. Salvation is free. But discipleship is going to cost you your life. And I know we don't like that. We like the free part, right? But you can't have one without the other. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost us our lives. This is the whole process of discipleship, us shifting our mentality and our mindset from being total consumers to total contributors. Your job will change. If you stop looking at it as a consumer, but start being a contributor, your marriage will change. The atmosphere and the culture within your family will change. Your neighborhoods will change. The city will change. Wherever God has placed you, the culture and the atmosphere will change if we get the revelation and the mindset that God has sent me out to go there for and make disciples. That means I'm not going there for them to serve me, but I'm going there to serve them. Where do we see this as we're getting into this? Let's go to Adam and Eve. Let's go to Genesis 1. Look at Genesis 1, verses 27 through 28. I know it's here up on the screen. Everybody know the story of Adam and Eve. God created man in his image and in his likeness. Verse 27, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Verse 28, God blessed them. Whenever you see God bless them, that means God has empowered them with his grace to do what he's about to call them to do. He blessed them. Do you know how we always walk around? We say, I'm blessed. You know, if you call my mom, you know, I say, hey, mom, how you doing? I'm blessed. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. We, we say all these different things, and what we're saying is that we are agreeing and aligning our faith that whatever God has called us to do and be, he has empowered us by his power to walk that out. So it says in verse 28, what, what God is about to call them to do, that's why the, the Bible says his commandments are not burdensome. The reason why it says that, because you're not trying to do it in your own strength. You're doing it according to the power of God that is alive and at work within you. So he says this, God blessed him and says, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth. Side note, whatever choice we make in life is going to bear fruit. And whatever fruit we bear, it's going to multiply. And whatever fruit that we bear that multiplies is going to fill the earth. I'm going to say that again. 
Say that again. So whatever choice we make in life, whatever fruit we bear, it's going to multiply. Whatever fruit we bear that multiplies is going to end up filling the earth. Why is there so much evil? Because the people of God are not bearing fruit. And if we bear fruit, that fruit is going to multiply. And if we, that fruit multiplies, guess what? It's going to fill the earth. So what if every marriage group, what if marriage on your community, in your neighborhood, what if you were to set up a, 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 a life group where people would come by and you love on them and you minister the gospel, you show them the, uh, the gospel in a tangible way, what will happen? You will begin to bear fruit. And what about that marriage? Because that marriage come and they may think, I'm the only one going through that situation. Until they're in a community, they hear that somebody else went through the same exact thing. And they, they hear a different outcome than what they were believing. They thought that there's no way we can get out of this. But because somebody was willing to bear fruit and share their story, guess what? Now this person has hope. And now guess what? It's now the fruit is starting to multiply. And then guess what will happen in that neighborhood if, if that was to continue to happen? Where darkness was ruling and chaos was ruling and hopelessness was ruling, now hope is starting to be restored. Marriages are starting to be healed. Do, do y'all understand what I'm saying? Y'all get what I'm saying? So he says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Notice, is God calling them to be a consumer or a contributor? Not, he didn't say, I'm about, I'm about to place you on this earth for the fish to serve you. No, I'm calling you to go and for you to shake things up. For you to bear fruit, multiply, and allow that fruit to fill the earth and subdue it. Contributor. But we know the story of what happened. Genesis 3, verse 6, Satan comes, he tempts Eve. Eve begins to says, when the woman saw that it was good, the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Side note for the men, because I know a lot of times I would always, man, I can't wait to see that Eve. Hi, <laughs> mama, have some words for Eve. I want you to notice this. Sin didn't enter the world until the man ate it. Because it was the man's responsibility as the covering of this relationship. That even though Eve may have deceived, it was the man's responsibility to cover. So you can't blame it on Eve. I blame it on Adam because Adam wasn't in his rightful place. 
I thank God for the women who hold it down and all that. But I want to challenge all you men in here this morning. If men will take their rightful place, this city will be turned upside down. I want to challenge you men that over the summer, when y'all start going in these life groups and y'all do things over the summer, I want you to be there, grow, get in the word, challenge each other, lift each other up. Because when you are in your rightful place, man, you're going to see God do an incredible thing in your life, in your family's life, throughout the generations as you're being who God has called you to be. So let's go back to the message. Let's get back to the message, all right? When the woman saw that it was good for food. Now, here it is. They, They have been graced and called by God to be a contributor. But in verse chapter 3, verse 6, do we see a contributor mindset or do we see a consumer? When she saw that it was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave to her husband and ate it. Here it is. In that instance, when they both ate of the fruit, they went from a a trip contributor mindset to a consumer mindset and because of that 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 same sin has passed down all throughout the generations where as mankind apart from Christ all we're looking for is how can I be served God saying this here this morning if we really want to be the church who God has called us to be we have to shift from a consumer mindset to a contributor mindset. And that is what discipleship is already is all about. It is about you pouring your life out, about you being a contributor. God has done all, he's already done enough for you. That's why I started out with amazing grace. And everybody, I can hear you even with my eyes closed. Yes, yes, Lord, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost and Our sins have been forgiven. We're sealed with the Holy Ghost. We're filled with promise. So why do we come on Sunday mornings? Why do we come on Wednesday? Why do we come every time we're gathering together looking to be served? We've already been served. We've been served more than what we deserve. I, 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 I can tell you here this outside of Jesus, I would be jacked up from the floor up. Um, jacked up from the floor up means uh, I would be no good. And even with Jesus, as I'm on this process of sanctification to become more and more like Him. If it's not for discipleship, I will become stagnant. So I want y'all to look at this discipleship piece. This is not a suggestion. It is for your, it is for your growth, but it is how the kingdom of God will become in a tangible way that can spread all over this world. It is through discipleship. Everyone shout out discipleship. We good? So God help me by your grace 
to move from this self-centered mentality to where I can live in this place where I'm living from a God-centered mentality. Self-centered. Have you ever been in the grocery store and you see somebody and you have this feeling? Ask that person that person's name. Or maybe you need to pray for them. Have you ever had that feeling? If you have, just raise your hand. Let me see. God-centered. Because I'm looking, because I'm shifting from this consumer mindset to a contributor. I remember one time I was, I was on a plane and getting ready. Um, for a period of time, I used to travel with this guy by the name of Kirk Franklin and seeing background for him. And so, you know, we travel all over the place, right? So we're on an airplane and I'm tired. Did, did I say I'm tired? I'm tired. Don't want to be bothered. You know, how, you know what you do when you don't want to be bothered? You put your headphones on. Even you put your hood on so, you, so the person sitting next to you can get the, get the message, I don't want to be bothered. Self. Someone sits down. Eric. Eric, <laughs> spark a conversation with this person next to you. Okay, God, but what if I do that? What if, what if they reject me? What if I say this and it's not really hitting on the mark? And this is how my Holy Ghost talked to me. So maybe our Holy Ghost is real gentle and meek. My Holy Ghost says, it's not really about you. If they reject you, they're not rejecting you, but they're rejecting me who's sending you. Moving from a consumer to a contributor. Hey, what's your name? Begin to talk to them. They begin to share some different stuff that was going on in their life. And in that moment, discipleship started to happen because I was being a tangible expression. I didn't go chapter, verse, verse, anything. All I was doing was listening and then praying. That's it. That person cried. That person felt peace from the Lord. All because in that moment, I was willing not to be a consumer thinking about self, but being a contributor. How can God use me? for his glory, to be a tangible expression and representative to his people. Discipleship is not just for the pastor. It's for the body. Are y'all with me here this morning? So there's a couple things real quick. Why is this important? Number one is because discipleship is for our growth. If we want to grow in Christ... If we don't want to become stagnant, we have to see the importance of discipleship. Growth happens in our life through discipleship. So verse here in Hebrews 6, verses 1 through 2, Paul is speaking to the church and he says this, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, this part right here, let us press on. To maturity, 
Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of instructions about washing and laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Therefore, leaving the elementary principles, Paul is speaking and saying there should be a growth that is happening in our life where we can press on to maturity. I remember growing up, and I grew up, I grew up in the church, in the Baptist church, and all those different things. You know, I didn't really have a problem with girls. I mean, I didn't have a problem with drugs. That wasn't my thing. I didn't have a problem with alcohol. That wasn't my thing. Girls, that was my thing. <laughs> all of us have, all of us have a, a, a propensity, a, a natural bend towards sin. Like, you, you know, like there's certain things that you don't have a problem with. God delivers you, he delivers you. Boom, you move it, you keep it moving. But there are a couple of things that you're like, oh, Lord, help me. And I remember growing up in the church, I would hear and I would see about this God who has all this power and all this, but I, in this one area of my life, I was powerless. And I would try to do it in my own strength, so I would be good for a couple of weeks. I'd be good for a month. Then in that moment, weakness, boom. I never grow into maturity in this area in my life. Until I go to a conference, we used to be a ministry we was a part of. They used to have this national college athlete conference that we would all come together. July of 1998. Ooh, that was a long time ago. July 1998. First time I heard someone preach about repentance. About turning. And turning towards God. And what God began to do, he began to put men in my life. John Blue, other men. Kevin Erian. Greg Ball these other men in my life to be anchors in my life to encourage me and to teach me the way of the Lord so that this thing that I have that I kept going around the circle every month every season that I can begin to experience some victory in my life and then from 1998 I got a revelation about how God wanted to sanctify my sexuality God began to give me power. Was it easy? Sir, was it easy? No. But because I had people surrounding me, that even in those weak moments, in those moments when I wanted to give in, I could pick up the phone. And sometimes they would say, hey, man, you're better than this. Or sometimes they would say, hey, man, let's pray. But I began to experience growth in my life as I was allowing other people in. We won't grow if you're trying to do it by yourself. Your marriage won't grow. Your parenting skills won't grow if you're trying to do it by yourself. We have to have discipleship in our lives because God wants to take us from strength to strength, faith to faith, and glory to glory. If the only time that you're hearing the word is when John or Chris or when the preacher here is preaching, you will become stagnant in your faith. How is it that we think hearing a 20, 30-minute message is going to satisfy our soul 
for six to seven days out of the week when every day of this week we're being inundated with the, the messages of this culture and this world. And we think, I know God's word is powerful and it's sharper and all those different things. But if we think that this word is going to sustain us for a week, and that's the only time we're getting in the word, the only time we're praying, the only time we're in fellowship and community, we're fooling ourselves. Discipleship, growth. Discipleship is formed through relationships. But also in discipleship is where we get a, a taste of accountability. These men held me accountable in a loving way. I remember I used to be afraid of accountability because I was afraid to show my nakedness. What are they going to think about me? Because I got issues. It was amazing how when I began to put myself in a position where I allowed them to earn my trust. Because they showed their character and I'm showing, they're telling me stories and I'm hearing things and I'm okay, this is what's going on in my life. And they begin to take me to the word. Even in that moment, the very thing that I, it still sticks to me this day, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that was like drill. No temptation is overtaking you such as coming to men. God is faithful and I allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. And with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape. How did I learn that? I learned that by being in covenant relationship with these men. You want to grow? You want your marriage to grow? You want your children to grow? Get in covenant relationship. Get in discipleship. You're not called to walk this out alone. I got one more thing, and then we're going to be out of here. Y'all good? Everybody good? Everybody smile for me. <laughs> Last thing is this. Discipleship is where leaders are birthed. All of us here have a leadership call on our lives. The question is, are we going to be a good leader? Or not so good leader. But we are all called to be leaders. There is a leadership call and grace on our lives. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. I want you to look at that first line. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. Now, was he talking to preachers? He was, he was talking to the church. So all of us in our journey should be at a point where we're able to reach back and teach someone else. Man, if I've been married, I've been married for six months, I should be able to reach back and teach someone who's 
engage. If I'm a single mom and I've been walking this thing out for a little bit, I should be able to reach back and look and see there's some other single mothers that, that God has strategically placed me in their life. I should be able to teach them. The pastor is not the only one who should be teaching. The body is equipped and called by God, by his grace, to teach this world in a tangible way the kingdom of heaven. So that means wherever God has placed you, he's placed you there to be not only a representative, but to be someone who can teach the kingdom of the kingdom of heaven in a practical way. I'm going to say this, and I know John, if they, John and Chris, if they don't like it, they get on me and, hey, we'll work it through. We'll get all right. Anything that's healthy grows. So this church is going to grow. But how is this church going to grow? When the body answers the call and say, I get the call. I'm not called to be a consumer. I'm called to be a contributor. I come here to get poured and to get fed and all that. But I understand that my call is by the grace of God to be sent out of this house to make a difference in this world. This is a place where leaders are going to be birthed, developed, trained, but also sent out. Sent out in the neighborhoods, sent out in the schools, sent out in, where, in the workforce, sent out in government and arts and all of those different things, in the medical field. But we have to see that it's not just coming for us to get fed and get spiritually fat. But it's for us to get the word so that we can go out and be who God has called us to be. So my challenge for us here this morning is to take my seat. It's discipleship. Discipleship is, for the church, is a way of life. If not, we just become a Sunday club. If, that, if that's the case, let's just take the name Pacific Point Church and let's take church off. And let's just say Pacific Point Club. Because that's what we will be. If we're not attacking it with a kingdom mindset. God, you've graced me to go there for and make disciples of all nations. That means that this house should be a house where all people are welcome to hear the word of God and to do life together to see his power transform us from the inside out. So Republican, Democrats, Independents should be all welcomed here. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian, welcomed here. Gay, straight, transgender, welcomed here. How can we do life together under the banner of Jesus Christ and by his grace transform us in a way that we will reflect him and that we will fulfill his purpose on this earth?
There's a song that says this, and then I'm going to end. It says, I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. And then there's a verse that says this. It says, my life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. Sing it one more time. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. So I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away. So you can use me. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time here this morning. I'm asking God over this house. God, that we as a people would answer the call not to be consumers, to be contributors. God, that you've placed us on this earth to be, yes, a reflection of you but also not just for us to receive and take it all in and just keep it to ourselves, but to share it with others, to walk with others, to labor with others, to fellowship with others, to undergird others. So I'm asking God for this house, that this house will be that city that is set on a hill that, that will reflect your presence, that, would, that will care for those that they agree with and those they don't agree with. Because every person that they see, they will, they will place value on that person because they are created. They are your people that you have created in your image and likeness, so they have value. And your desire is for them to know you and to have fellowship and relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray over this house. This house will learn and grow. And yes, they're getting in the word and study and all that, but not just to keep it to themselves, but to go into this city, the uttermost parts of this world. And they will manifest your kingdom in a tangible way. Pray over John and Chris. Pray God you continue to download them with your vision and Strategy. I pray, God, for the right team, that you continue to add the team around them. As they record the vision and make it plain, that as they declare it, people will catch it and run with it. Lord, let this be a house where people know when they come in that they're going to experience the presence of God. That they're going to experience the kingdom of heaven in your people. 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.